story is told about a senior citizen who received an unexpected uh, telegram when the deliverer told her that he had a telegram for her she said oh is it a singing telegram and he said no just a telegram he, she said I've always wanted to have a singing telegram could you sing this telegram for me he said well this is not our regular custom but if you insist I'll be glad to she said please do it means so much to me and the deliverer said da 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 your sister Rose is dead <laughs> kind of cruel isn't it (laughs) but actually there's a purpose I wanted to use that because sometimes what we see as bad our God has the capacity of making it good making it meaningful making it a lesson in life as we read about the uh, leper in today's gospel, can't help but think back over Jesus' words when his apostles asked him about a man who was born blind that Jesus had restored to sight. And they said, was this man blind because of his own sins or the sins of his parents? And Jesus said, no, for neither of them. He was born blind so that he might glorify God. That blindness, there were many people that have been blind uh, in the world that none of us know. But there's one man who was born blind by the name of Bartimaeus that every Christian knows. Because there was a lesson in his life and the restoration of his sight gave glory to God and gave strength and encouragement to us. And so it is with all of the encounters that Jesus had. Not only the historical encounters that are recorded in Scripture, but the encounters that he continues to have in the life of each of us, of those of you seated here in this building this morning. God's interaction with you through his Son, Jesus Christ brings glory to the God whom we all serve. And if we will cooperate with him, it brings blessings to us. So I want you to consider a few things with me this morning. Isn't it dreadful to be sick? Even simple sicknesses such as runny noses or upset stomachs or even something more serious like life-threatening illnesses. How terrible it is to be sick. Isn't it dreadful to be shunned from society to be cut away from the people whom we love and whom we long to be with 
and to be marginalized for some reason, pushed out of their lives. Even when it happens in some major thing like apartheid in South Africa or segregation in America or even a more narrow personal marginalization that happens with the young college sorority pledge who is turned down and cast away from that group whom she hoped to be a part of. Or even the ostracizing of the emotionally handicapped child in the playground. Isn't it dreadful to be shunned? And even more so, isn't it dreadful to be shunned by God? To feel that God has turned his back on you. And for some reason you are under the punishment of God. Now let me ask you one more thing. Wouldn't it be dreadful to experience all three of these things? To struggle with a life-threatening illness. To be shunned by the society in which you were born and the people whom you loved and, and whom you need. And to feel that God had turned his back on you and had punished you. Physical ailment, social outcast, and punishment by God. This is a trifecta of punishment that is worse than any of us can imagine. And yet that is exactly what the leper in today's gospel struggled with. He lived with an illness that threatened his life. He was shunned from the society that he needed to be a part of. And he felt that God had punished him. You know, in Jesus' day, leprosy was the bane of society. It was the worst punishment you could imagine to be diagnosed with leprosy. It was the worst illness of the ancient world. Chapter 13 in the book of Leviticus has a very definite instruction given by Moses to the people of Israel for their protection on how they were to treat someone who was suspected of having contracted leprosy. And for the safety of many, the terrible consequences that must be delivered to the one who was unfortunate enough to be infected by this malady. Now today, we've given leprosy a respectable name. It's called Hansen's disease. 
And we know quite a bit about it today, which wasn't known by the ancient world. We know it's caused by a bacteria, and a bacteria that kills the nervous system of our body. And it begins with the extremities of the hands and the feet and the face. And it destroys the nerve endings so that it's impossible to feel anything. To feel a touch from another person. To feel the sensation of touching an object. Or even to feel the pain that is caused by some injury that happened. For which there is no pain, no sensation, no feeling... And therefore, no way for the immune system of the body to come to the rescue of that part of the body so that it becomes more and more infected and the person becomes literally a walking corpse. The book of Leviticus instructed anyone who had these symptoms to go immediately and to show themselves to the priest. And the priest would inspect the rash, the sores, And if it appeared that they might be leprosy, they were placed for seven days in isolation, away from all human touch, but at least in a sanitary condition. And then seven days later, they were inspected. And if the disease had not progressed any further, nor diminished any, then they were subject to seven more days of isolation. And at the end of that two-week period, if the disease was still there, it was pronounced to be leprosy. And they were forced to leave the village in which they lived and to go and live in the wilderness. And they were required to put on tattered robes and put a cloth across their nose to cover the lower portion of their face. And they were instructed if any, they encountered anyone anywhere, they were to say, stay away from me. I am unclean. And they were doomed to live as best they could. Their families tried to help them by bringing food or clothing out to some designated place in the wilderness where they were staying, and then to walk away at a safe distance and allow them to grovel and to grab these things and take them back into the shelter, the cave, the arbor, wherever they were staying, until they became so diseased that it affected their minds and they were unable to communicate even with their families. A more terrible disease you cannot imagine. And the protections that society had to keep these people at a distance was amazing. And that's what's so startling about today's gospel. That this man should break all of those taboos of society and dare to approach Jesus Christ. And to ask for help. Wonder why he did that. 
even in isolation in the wilderness, somehow word had reached him. Maybe he had crept in close at night behind the boulders in the desert while a camping group was setting camp for the night and talking about the day's events. And maybe that he had heard about this Jesus of Nazareth who had performed miracles. Somehow or another, the word had reached him and a glimmer of hope emerged from him. And he knew if he ever had the opportunity to encounter Jesus, he would risk it. And that day came, and he saw Jesus, and he goes up to him, and he falls before him and says, Master, if you will, I know you can make me clean. Listen to what he was saying. He was not saying, heal me. He said, make me clean. Because that was the dominant understanding of this illness, especially when it came from the separation from God. Because in the 1,500 years from the time that Moses penned the instructions in the book of Leviticus until the New Testament times, the understanding and the theology of this dreadful disease had developed to the point that it was seen as a punishment from God. How else could such a terrible thing happen to innocent people? It had to be from God. And so he comes to Jesus and said, if you, can, if you will, you can make me clean. And remember what Mark tells us of what Jesus is doing? He reached out and he touched the leper. Something that no one would dare to do. But Jesus touched the leper and Mark's gospel tells us immediately upon that touch he was cured, he was healed, he was made clean. Think of that. A man who was in an illness that, that robbed him of any sense of sensation, no feeling at all. The first feeling he would ever experience was the feeling of the hand of the Son of God touching him and making him whole. All of us by nature long to be touched, to be held, to be embraced, to know the touch of another living being. This man had lived without that for how many years? We don't know. Jesus knows that we all need to be touched. And his desire for each of us is that we allow him to touch our life, to touch us, and to make us whole, to make us clean. 
That's what all of us need and all of us desire. And that's why Jesus' instructions to him was to go back to the village from which you come and go and show yourself to the priest as instructed in Leviticus. And when the priest sees that you have been healed, that you are no longer unclean, he, in his official capacity, can announce it to your village and the people will come in to welcome you as one who has come back from the dead and touch you and embrace you. And there he would meet perhaps his spouse, his children, whom he hasn't seen in years, his parents, his siblings, other human beings who now would accept him back into their life. What a wonderful, joyous experience this was. And that's why he had no intention of abiding by what Jesus told him when he said, now you are clean. Don't tell anybody how it happened. Don't tell them what I did for you. That's between you and me. But when you think of the magnitude of how this has changed his life, you have to ask yourself, how can you not tell anybody what Jesus has done for you? And he went out and he shouted it from the rooftops. And as a result of that, Mark tells us almost as an aside that so many people now started coming to Jesus that it began to affect his ministry. And there was so much healing that he needed to do that he couldn't bring the gospel of salvation to people. And so what he did was to not go in the villages for a while, at least not into the villages of that area where this man was known and the miracle that he had endured had been known. But that Jesus stayed in the desert places, he said to which people came to him. And isn't that ironic? That Jesus should heal this leper and free him from being confined to the desert places, and now it's Jesus who is confined to the desert places and unable to go into the villages where all the people are. Nothing in Jesus' life happened by chance, capriciously. It was all God of, part of God's plan of salvation. Why did Jesus go back to those desert places? I wonder if he was not looking for someone else in the desert, another leper in the desert who needed to be made clean. I wonder if there was someone that Jesus was searching for, someone who has been marginalized from society, someone who feels that they are under a curse of God, or at least that God has abandoned them. If that, was that who Jesus 
was searching for when he went to the desert places? I wonder. I wonder if that somebody could not be here this morning in this building sitting in these chairs in the sound of my voice that needs to hear the healing words of Jesus Christ and needs to be touched by him. Ask yourself, could that someone for whom Jesus is searching could be me? And ask yourself, isn't it time to come clean? Amen.